Hello and welcome to another podcast with me, Andrew Gray, owner of Truth Legal Sisters in Harrogate. Today I'm lucky enough to have Rachel Roche, solicitor and a friend of mine, who I'll be interviewing and asking lots of questions about her line of work. Good morning, Rachel. Morning, Andrew. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for sitting in our boardroom and being questioned and quizzed by me. Now then, so tell me about your business, Rachel, uh, where you're based and tell all our listeners uh, what it is that you do. So, um, I own a firm called Roche Legal. We're primarily based in York, but we also have offices in Harrogate. Um, you'll know this very well, Andrew, because our Harrogate offices are actually based at your premises, which is great. And our York offices based in your office, That's Rachel. right. <laughs> um, Roche Legal is a specialist private client practice. So, that essentially means, in a nutshell, that we deal with things like wills and trusts, powers of attorney, probate, and we also have a specialism in dealing with elderly clients. So that might be if a relative is um, is unwell with dementia or something like that, we sort out the legal stuff around it. I know your business started a little bit after mine, but remind me, how long have you been in business? So I set up the firm in February 2014. It was just me. Um, and I started with just myself and a laptop in my spare room at my house at the time, which was in Lintonal News, just in North Yorkshire. We've now got an office premises in York, and there are five of us. That is pretty amazing growth. And you've bought your building as well. That is yes, amazing. Yes, yeah, that was a really great milestone for us. Well done. I'm sure in a few years from now, you'll have a 100 lawyers, <laughs> and everyone will have heard of Rush Legal. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, it's been a great um, working with you this last uh, few years, and thank you also for doing my wife's will and my will. Pleasure. Talking about wills, um, a lot of people don't have them. I'm sure you get this objection all the time. What's the point of having a will when there's something called the rules of intestacy? Mm. Well, sell, sell to us now, sell to my listeners yeah. why they should have a will and why they should have it with you. My view, and I'm sure the view of, of all solicitors who are in my line of work, is that everyone who is 18 and over should at least think about putting a will in place. The main benefit of that is, of course, that your wishes are respected. So if anything happens to you, your assets, your children, all of that is tied up and your wishes are known by your family. You mentioned the intestacy rules just then. Those are the rules that take effect if somebody dies and doesn't have a will, but often these rules are not adequate enough and don't reflect that person's wishes. Okay. It's especially important, of course, if you have young children, because if something happens to you or if something happens to yourself and your partner, it's very important that your family know where the children are to live, who's in control of the money for the children, and also your general wishes about things like education and upbringing. Okay, and is it burials as well, cremations, would that be um, caught in a will? Yes, you can put funeral wishes in your will as well. The important thing to remember about that, though, is that funeral wishes aren't legally binding, but again, it sets out to your loved ones exactly what you want. It's not often a conversation that you might have during your lifetime, and if you haven't, and then at least there's a paragraph in your will that sets out without ambiguity what you want to happen. Okay, so I only know the answer to some of these questions, but I'll ask mm. them anyway for those that don't know. So when you prepare a will for someone, where, when it's signed, where will it reside? Will it mm. be in the person's house? Will you have a copy of it? Is there a central register? Mm. Well, when we do a will for somebody, that document belongs to that person. But more often than not, we hold the original document at our offices for safekeeping and we send a copy out in the post to that person. So they've got a pack of information, including the copy of the will, so that they can put it in a safe place, often with their financial paperwork, so that if anything happens to them, their family 
can pretty much find it. We also suggest that if you make a will, you tell your family that you've done so and your executors, and we'll come on to that, know that they're appointed because your executors are the people with the responsibility and the authority to carry out your wishes. Now, also at Roche Legal, as a completely belt and braces approach, we register all of our wills that we hold for clients, whether we've prepared them or not, and clients are also welcome to send our wills send their will, sorry, to us for safekeeping, even if they've been prepared by a different firm. We register them with certainty, which is a national will registration service. They don't actually have the will, but they know where it is. So if in years to come something happens to you, um, your relatives can do an online search and we'll be asked to get in touch with them to say, look, don't worry, the will is here, everything's in order. Surely one of the problems about having a will is that people's lives are changing Mm. every few months or so. I mean, what type of life changes would you uh, recommend people get a new will, an updated Mm. will um, for? Um, When we see a client typically to make a will, we can only make a will based on their circumstances at the time, but we can put contingencies in there. So we can say, for instance, if somebody's getting a legacy and that person has died, where that legacy goes instead. Um, And we can discuss other things that might change during that person's lifetime. But it is important that once you've got a will in place that you review it every couple of years at least or when circumstances change. So typically um, life events like having a child, moving house, getting married, not forgetting that getting married does actually revoke your will. So there are lots of legal technicalities like that you need to be aware of. But when you do make a will with us, we send you a pack of information at the end. So it's got a list of situations and important information like that for you to refer to in the future if you do need to come back and just update it. Rachel, can I just go back to something you just said? Mm. You said upon marriage, a will is revoked. Is That's that correct? Right. Yes. So uh, all your wishes that were in the previous will are then null and void. Is everything then just passed to your spouse? Is that how it works? Not necessarily. It depends on your family situation at the time. And again, it's what it would be the intestacy rules that would, take, that would come into play. Um, and they're not always really what you might want. So if you are going through a divorce or getting married, certainly if you're getting married, you need to make sure that you've got a will in place. And we can do one for you in contemplation of marriage. If you've got a date set and things are on course and you're getting married in a short period of time, Um, Also, just when you get divorced as well, you need to have a think about getting your affairs in order. Getting divorced doesn't invalidate the whole will, but it will treat your ex-spouse as having pre-deceased you. So you do need to just make sure that it's up to date. And by pre-deceased, of course, you mean died before you did. That's right, yes. But a lot of wills around some of these days are being challenged by Mm. family members. How do you stop a will from being challenged, or can you? There are certain things that we can do to reduce the likelihood of a will being challenged. And when we take instructions from a client, so that means when we see a client and we get all the information about their lives and what they want to happen on their death, we will point out to them any situations that we might envisage on their death that could cause problems. Um, We might recommend things like accompanying the will with a letter of wishes or a statement, just setting out the reasons why they've done what they've done in their will. And we'll draw to their attention certain laws that might be applicable to them, such that somebody might come out of the woodwork and challenge their will, and we can try and minimise the possibility of doing that. It's not always possible to completely prevent someone from challenging a will, because whether you can or not challenge a will is enshrined in law, so you can't change the law. But we can look at the situation as a whole and give some proper advice. Okay, taking that a step further, then Mm. broadly, what are the time limits for being able to challenge a will? 
in some cases there are no time limits at all, which makes our job a little bit difficult. Perhaps. But often um, it will be six months from the date of a grant of probate. Now, a grant of probate is a document that you might need after somebody's died to give your executors the authority and the responsibility on paper to deal with your estate. That's typically to close bank accounts, transfer property, deal with the sale of the car, you know, that kind of thing. So probate is essentially a document and it will be dated on the day that it's produced by the probate registry. And it's normally six months from the date of that that somebody will typically be able to make a claim if they have legal standing. But whether they do could be on any basis, really. Um, And we'd look at that at the time of making the will. Got it. Now, when some people die, they don't use solicitors to deal with probate. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine uh, they'll have a tough time with things. What's your advice about when people ought to use a solicitor or not? Yes, so... Making a will, you don't need to go to a solicitor. There are lots of different ways you can make a will. And and there have been cases in the past where people have made wills on the back of envelopes and they've been valid. But just because a will is valid, it doesn't mean that it suits your requirements. And often, if somebody hasn't taken advice from a solicitor, the will could be completely invalid and an entire waste of time. Um, So we do recommend that you see an authorised and regulated solicitor. So that's somebody who is regulated by the solicitor's regulation authority because in the very unlikely event that by using a regulated firm there is an issue in the future, you are completely covered by the solicitor's regulation authority and by all the protections afforded to solicitors as well as an insurance policy that we all have to have in place to safeguard all of our clients in the event that something goes wrong. And these safeguards aren't available for unregulated firms. Got it. But probate specifically, uh, for Mm. example, if one of my uh, parents were to die, I could, if I wasn't a solicitor, sort out uh, my parents' own uh, pot. Yeah, you could deal with what's called the administration of the estate yourself. I mean, is that easy for a non-lawyer to do, or is it? Yeah, I mean, it can be. It can be very straightforward in the simplest of cases where, for instance, somebody's passed away, they might have one bank account, Um, they might rent their property. So it's just a matter of handing the property back to the landlord and closing the bank account. And often in those simple cases, you won't even need to go to court to get a grant of probate. It is just literally a matter of filling in some paperwork at the bank. But some can be horrifically complicated as well. Some estates can be incredibly complicated. And we deal with lots of complicated administrations. It might be that there are several properties. Um, Some of those properties might be tenanted. Um, It might be that there are assets abroad. It might be that complications arise because somebody's trying to make a claim on the estate because they feel left out um, or another reason. So if you're not sure whether you want to deal with the estate of somebody who's died and you are an executor in that will, it's always best just to come in and, and see us or see a solicitor just to go through what it is that needs to be done. And then you can make a decision about whether or not you want to do it yourself. Got it. It's very clear. Thank you. Now, talk to me about LPAs or lasting powers of attorney. Mm. As a solicitor myself, I don't fully understand them. (laughs) Uh, So I imagine lots of the people don't as well. So when would you use a lasting power of attorney? Okay, so we've talked about wills and wills take effect on death. Lasting powers of attorney are documents that are valid during your lifetime and they allow you to appoint one or more people to manage your affairs. So that's typically to make decisions for you in respect of your finances and property or about your health and welfare 
if you become unable to make those decisions for yourself. So we get a lot of clients in, for instance, who are concerned about dementia and developing that in older in later life Um, and so it's very very important that you have lasting powers of attorney in place so that you are basically staying in control of who's making those decisions for you if you can't in the future. Now there are two types of powers of attorney there are ones for decisions about health and care and ones for decisions about finance as I briefly touched on. We always recommend that clients make both types because you never know what types of decisions need to be made for you in the future Um, and if you're doing one you may as well do both it doesn't take that much longer to do both and frankly it's cheaper to do both with us at least than it is just to do one and then come back three years later and do the other one are you comfortable explaining to the audience about your charges for things such as LPS Mm, yes so we have a list of standard charges for our wills and powers of attorney Our wills start at the moment at £195 plus VAT for one person. If you are a couple and you're doing wills in similar terms, so often those wills would be referred to as mirror wills, our charges start at £345 plus VAT. Now that's for something fairly straightforward. Sometimes we'll get clients come in and they need complicated advice. They might need advice about trusts or planning for care home fees, and that's almost a separate topic really. but we can always provide a fixed fee um, for wills and generally for trusts as well. Lasting powers of attorney, our charges are £425 plus VAT per power of attorney. But if you're doing both types, we charge £600 plus VAT. So we're not doubling up on that. Now, with the powers of attorney, they do need to be registered with the Office of the Public Guardian. We recommend registration every time. That means that the Office of the Public Guardian, who oversee people who have been appointed to make these types of decisions for for clients, they've got a record of it. It's a safeguard, really. Now, registration does cost. There is a charge to the Office of the Public Guardian, and I think it's about £82 each for £82 per power of attorney at the moment. Now, it used to be a lot more than that. It used to be £110 but they have reduced that over in the last 6-12 months, so that's pretty good. Got it, it's very clear. Yes, dementia is a, a topic which is mm. all over the press at the moment. I think David Cameron's become <coughs> um, one of the ambassadors, I think, for the dementia charity. Mm. Um, so is it too late when someone has dementia to for an LPA to uh, be used? Um, any particular guidance you have for us in relation to dementia? Okay, so when we see people to make lasting powers of attorney... We need to make sure that that person understands what they're doing, they understand the nature of the document and the authority that they're giving over to a family member or friend. Now, sometimes we might see somebody and they may or may not have a diagnosis of dementia or another illness that prevents them from being able to sign a legal document. In that case, it might be necessary for us to advise the family that an application to the Court of Protection needs to be made for somebody, either us or a family member, to be appointed as what's called a deputy over that person's affairs. Now, that is an appointment by the court, and it has to be an appointment by the court because the person themselves is unwell, is too unwell to be able to make that decision for themselves. Um, I should perhaps also at this point point out that we are all at Roche Legal Dementia Friends and myself, I'm a Dementia Friend Champion, which means that I can talk and, and provide information to other people about dementia. So we do have a fairly good grasp of 
of the understanding of dementia and how that manifests itself. And we can very easily discuss those types of issues with family members because it can be very sensitive. But ultimately, if you are worried about dementia, if, if you have family members or friends who have been in a situation where they've not had the legal paperwork, it's really important that you get yourself sorted and you get your will sorted, but you also get your powers of attorney sorted because that saves them your family having to make that application to court, which is a lot longer a process and more costly. So we're always trying to get clients to think ahead and basically save them the hassle and the, the hassle that their family will have to go through if they don't get things sorted and they do become ill in the future. Thank you. It's all very sound advice. Now, I have your LinkedIn profile in front of me. I can see. Yes. And it says at the end that you're a specialist in the court of protection and you've touched upon the court. Just yeah. uh, explain to me and to my <coughs> listeners, because I don't necessarily fully understand it either, what the court of protection is and how you work with the court. So the Court of Protection, um, it's a funny name I've always thought, but it is essentially a court presided over by a judge or judges, um, and it has the responsibility for making decisions essentially for vulnerable clients. So like I said, the, the most common example and the most common type of dealings that we have with the Court of Protection is making those applications to the court for a deputy. So when somebody is very poorly, often because of dementia, we will make all of the submissions to the court about who should be appointed to manage their affairs. And like I said, sometimes it can be a family member. And if that family member's capable and willing to act and has perhaps a little bit of experience already in managing that person's affairs, they can be appointed. Sometimes it will be us if there's nobody in the family who's able to take on the role. But essentially the court is there to make decisions for people who can't. Got it. It's been quite uh, difficult, complicated stuff in this interview, I must say. <laughs> Changing tack a little bit, so yeah, a little bit sure. more amusing. What is the most amusing thing that you've seen written into a will or that you've been asked to write into a will, if you oh, could dare tell gosh. us? I ha- this, was, was, this one wasn't mine, but I heard something about a gift to a mother-in-law of a lemon so she could suck on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. That's very good. Um, Any others? There's been all sorts. There was a there was one. This one was was one of mine. It's not funny particularly, but it will stay with me because it, it was well interesting. I don't know. You'll have to make your own minds up. But um, there was somebody who it must be ten years ago now who asked me to say in her will that her her beloved pet should be put down and buried with her. Oh. Um, it's the the one and only time I've I've had to do that. I mean, those were her wishes. That's what we had to do. But um, I'm not sure in this day and age, these days we would get any requests for that I've certainly not seen that again um, and for charities like the Dog Trust will take your pets from you and look after them so it's not really necessary anymore and but uh, not bury them with you no as, as, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's very interesting indeed um, any top tips that you have for anybody listening um, any sort of takeaways that if they could just take anything from this interview it would just be what you're about to tell mm. me now well, I think that we need to try and break this taboo about talking about death and dying. And there is a movement, actually, you may have heard of these death cafes where people go around and they do talk about it and more are more open about it. Especially if you're doing a will, I think it's important to let your family members know you've done one. You don't necessarily need to tell them what's in it. That's fine. Just tell them where the original is. And often, like I said, it will be held with the solicitor. But I think even more important than that is to really do look at these powers of attorney because they can 
really help your family to manage your affairs and help you with health and care decisions and again it opens up that conversation that you might not have with your family otherwise but if you're on that legal journey and it doesn't take very long at all and we have clients often say to us gosh that was far easier than we thought Um, because I think some people might get it you might get it built up in your mind you might think that a will is is awful and you're going to die the minute you walk out the door but uh, that never happens I think you just need to bite the bullet and do it and just get yourself organised I'm still alive after you've drafted my will so I I am am proof of it (laughs) Um, Rachel, everyone here at Truth Legal thinks that Rush Legal is an absolutely fantastic firm we recommend you all the time Thank you so much No, no, it's okay, uh, we only do it because you guys look after the people that we send your direction Uh, we hope as well that your business continues to grow and flourish and um, I'm sure in a few years time everyone will be hearing about Rush Legal more so than now Um, so thank you very much for joining me today and um, Beth any final words? No I think that's it just thank you very much again Um, I've not done a podcast before but it it was fine (laughs) (laughs) fine, where, where can people find out more about you? Yes of course so we have a website rochelegal.co.uk and that's spelt r-o-c-h-e legal.co.uk you can also find us on twitter facebook and my profile if you want to have a nose is on linkedin as well super with um, picture with your office dog I think there, there will be pictures of molly <laughs> somewhere <laughs> brilliant thank you very much rachel best all right thanks, thanks andrew Bye. take care